0: in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So the title today, Loving Christians, Even When It's Hard, And if you were in church right now, uh, I'd be asking you to raise a hand if you have ever found it hard to love another Christian. Um, The people who are in church are putting their hands up, um, those that can, and uh, I'm sure if you're at home, some of you will be putting your hand up too, because sometimes it is really hard to love the people uh, we're meant to be the closest to. And I'm going to get to that a bit more when we get through the passage, because Jesus uh, lands us with that in um, verse 17. So if you've got John 15, we're continuing from what Melody said last week. She read the first, preached on the first half of uh, John 15 about the vine and the branches um, and the importance of remaining in uh, in Jesus and bearing fruit. So that was last week. This week we're thinking a bit more um, about that in verses 9 to 17. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. I don't know every word in Greek in my mind, um, but uh, one of the words that really uh, I remember somehow from my, um, my theological studies was the word meno, meno meaning to remain. And remain can be translated from meno in different ways, so a few of them that might work for you. Uh, remain um, is one, but there is abide or dwell. You could have be or sit. Um, spend time in, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. I have loved you. Now remain, dwell, abide, sit, build your tent, build your house, spend some time in my love. The the passage begins with that reminder that we're to remain in Jesus's love, to dwell there, to sit there, to be there, to hang out there, to spend time in His love, and the way jesus talks about uh, the father loving him and therefore the father loving us is actually slightly different because as you'll know uh, from other parts of the bible the love jesus has for the, the father has for jesus predates time it goes back from the very beginning um, and uh, and and we know that jesus fulfilled his father's will in coming to earth and uh, living a sinless, faultless life and dying on the cross for us. So the the love that God has for the Father is different to the love Jesus has for us. And yet, yet Jesus says, the love I have for you is like that of the love the Father has for me. He puts us in a really uh, high place, a place that I know I don't deserve to be in. None of us do. And yet Jesus says, the way you can remain in my love, verse 10, is to obey my commands. Now, I don't know about the friendships that you have with other people, but if one of your friends said, hey, I'd love to be friends with you, um, but if you want to be my friend, here's what I expect of you. I'd like you to obey my commands. You'd probably be like, I don't really know if I want to be friends with this person anymore. Um, Yet, because we know who Jesus is, and the fact he's linking the love of God the Father for Jesus the Son, uh, we can see that the love, therefore, that Jesus has for us, when he calls us friends, is a gift and not a burden. It is a gift that we get to be loved by Jesus and to uh, remain in his love by obeying his commands. What are his commands? In summary, he came to fulfill the law and the prophets and said we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourself. Love God, love other people. That's what Jesus commanded us to do. So providing we're doing those things, says Jesus, then we are able to remain in his love and he is calling us his friend just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. He followed the commands of his Father. He came to earth and uh, chose to go all the way to the cross. Jesus is talking here. I should have said this at the start, but I was quite excited to dive into preaching. Uh, But Jesus was talking here to his disciples. Just a reminder, if you missed last week, he's talking to his disciples. He's coming up to um, his death. So he's kind of giving them words to, to, to live by. Um, and as he's giving them words, he is, um, he's, he's thinking about the future. And he wants to set them up, uh, knowing what's coming forward, what, they're gonna be have, what they will have to do after he dies. And they don't understand all of this at this point, um, but he, he's saying to them, I want you to love each other as I have loved you. He actually says it three times in the verse, verse 9, 12, and 17. Love each other, verse 12, as I have loved you. He takes it a stage further and says, Greater love has has no one than this, Uh, laying down your life for a friend. There's different kinds of friendships in ancient times. You might be a friend of the king, um, which, which would be kind of a, a one-way friendship. The king would use you for how the king would want you to be used. Um, or like a friend of Caesar, if you think of the Roman Empire. If you're a friend of Caesar, then probably you have a connection with Caesar. But ultimately, you're going to do what Caesar wants you to do. The kind of friendship Jesus is alluding to here is a mutual friendship, a way that we might understand friendship a bit more. And we all have different kinds of friends. Uh, we, we have friends, uh, if any of you are on social media, on Facebook, you may have a hundred, if not many hundreds of friends. Um, and some of them you may even know. Uh, So you may have all these different friends on on Facebook, and in real life too. Um, We we don't like to call people acquaintances because it feels quite cold. Uh, So we tend to use the word friend, but we can have, a a friend could be someone we see at the bus stop, um, or or, or someone we see when we're out walking our dog. We might call that person a friend. Um, We will use the same word friend for someone who is really close to us, and who we would um, do a lot for. Now, I'm not sure how many of us would lay down our life for a friend, as Jesus is saying here in verse 13. But maybe there are things you would do that would be quite significant. Um, I was trying to think about what sort of things might we do for someone who was a really good friend um, that would have the same significance. And it may be something like the the kidney transplant, the blood transfusion, um, that kind of thing that could, that could really help them. Um, Jesus, though, did lay down his life. Uh, he died on the cross for all of us. He calls us his friends. He died on the cross and said, with all that in mind, you are my friends if you do what I command. So second time through, we get this. If you think I'm repeating myself, it's because the passage is repeating. Jesus repeats himself. Probably because it's really important. What he really wants the disciples to take home from this conversation is that we need to love each other and do what Jesus asked us to do so that we can remain in that relationship. Now, just a a side note here to say that the love of Jesus for us remains the same whether we're obeying his commands or not. Uh, There's there's nothing we can do to earn God's love. But love is different to friendship. Um, So whilst Jesus loves us unconditionally, God loves us unconditionally, there's nothing we can do to change that. There's a difference between being loved by someone and being in a relationship with them. Just think of your family uh, and maybe there's someone who you might love in your family, even in your wider family, um, but that doesn't mean you're, you've got the best relationship with them. Um, if someone said, Do you love them? You'd say, Absolutely, I do. Would you call them a friend? I'm not so sure. So maybe uh, for some, that's a helpful analogy. Jesus goes on to say in verse 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Now, some of you have watched Bridgerton. Some of you have watched Pride and Prejudice uh, or, or Sense and Sensibility or all these other uh, period dramas that are, that are movies or on Netflix or on the television. And as you watch those things, you'll be thinking, hang on a minute, David. When I see servants in those programs, they do know their master's business. Well, what I would say is, um, yes, yes. They're in the corner of the room. They're picking up things. They know probably a lot more about their master than, um, than we might think that they would. But they're not there all the time. When you see the scenes and, and the two friends are out going for a walk, uh, taking a stroll in the ginormous uh, properties there and they're, they're going off for a walk in the woods and they're having a stroll, the servants are not following them then. Um, And so the the master, shall we say, knows that when he's out having a walk with his friend um, that uh, the the, the servants aren't listening. Um, So that's the difference. Jesus says, you're not servants, you're friends. Everything I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. There isn't anything that Jesus didn't pass on. He's given us everything that we need. And in verse 16, it's quite amazing, a reminder Jesus chooses us. He chooses us to be his friends. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. So that you might go and bear fruit. This is our calling. This is us being sent out. This is, as Melody was saying last week, the importance of of staying connected to the vine so that we bear fruit fruit that will last so it says so whatever you ask in my name the father will give you this is one of those uh verses here uh, whatever you ask for in my name the father will give you that we talk about when we speak of prayer Uh, we talk on the alpha course we talk in the prayer course and the prayer ministry course always about this kind of verse Um, so what prayers will the father answer when does when does god answer our prayers And it's to do with our wills being aligned with God's will. Because, of course, in the context of us um, remaining, abiding, dwelling, that word meno again, remaining in the love of Jesus by keeping his commands and living them out. What are the commands? Love God, love other people. So that's the context. If we're doing that, then whatever you ask for in my name, in prayer, the Lord Father will give you. We have uh, been blessed with a great number of um, boys in our Sunday school program. Um, often in, in churches there, there can be less boys than girls. We've got loads of boys. And, uh, and we, we know that um, uh, with many of the boys, uh, they really like fast cars. Um, and so if, if we were to say to them, what would you pray for? Um, I'm sure that the conversation would quite easily land with um, some kind of expensive fast supercars. Be it an Audi R8 or a Lamborghini Huracan or a Maserati or, you know, you name it. Um, often Teslas are the thing these days that they seem to want. Um, and so if they sit there and they pray for these fast cars, um, you know, we all know that it's unlikely at this point in life, certainly, that God will give them the fast car. God gives us the desires of our hearts when the desires of our heart match up with the desires of the Father's heart. God gives us the desires of our heart when the desires of our heart match with the desires of the Father's heart. Whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you, says Jesus, as we step into that place of asking for the things the Father would have us ask for. And so in that place of remaining in love, of keeping Jesus' commands, of being his friend, it's in that place that we will see these things come to be this is my command, verse 17, love each other. Three times in this short passage, love each other, love each other. And Jesus isn't talking to uh, everyone. He's not telling us to love everyone. I mean, he is in the sense that in keeping his commands, we will love our neighbor, and we know our neighbor is everyone. But specifically, he's addressing Christians here. He's addressing disciples, his followers. So when he says, love each other, he's not talking about just go love everyone. He's talking about loving each other. The Christian church worldwide is like a massive, ginormous family. Around two billion people um, are in the family. And we all go different ways and do different things. We have different opinions, different interpretations, different exegesis when we open Scripture. And it's like in this passage, Jesus can see that coming. And it's why he keeps saying, love each other, love each other, love each other. And if you didn't get it, love each other. Because he knows that that is what will uh, be needed for us to be united as Christians and for the gospel to be taken to the world. And we've seen through history in the times when there has been unity, we have seen uh, more happening in the church, more uh, renewal and revival as people were united with other Christians. And so it's really important for us, here in Maple Ridge, St. George's is connected with uh, other churches. We're connected with other churches in the Anglican denomination. And if if you know anything about the Anglican church, um, it is a ginormous spectrum. And sometimes it can feel really hard to love people within our own church denomination because there are so many different opinions. Um, I often joke that when people ask me, is this really Anglican? They haven't quite understood what Anglican is because it's such a a wide, um, embracing um, church. And there are people with um, a multiplicity of theologies. Um, I can't believe I got multiplicity into a sermon. There you go. (laughs) Um, uh, Tick on the bingo. Um, And and, and then there's all the other denominations too. So we're part of... uh, Ridge Meadows Ministerial Association, and we're connected with um, about 30 or 40 other churches through the ministerial, um, and there are times when we come together and do things together. Uh, there's pastor's prayer events that happen on a weekly uh, basis, and then there's monthly things as well. Different ways that we try and be uh, united as, as, as pastors and, and Christian ministry leaders in the city as well. And, and it's in that unity uh, that we will see, um, we will see change. We will see growth, and we will see people coming to know Jesus. And yet, it can be really hard if you watch the news and you see um, a church in the news um, doing something that is where you would have a different opinion. Um, so, I mean, I just have to mention masks, um, for example. And there are churches that are quite determined that, that their worship and praise of God is more important um, than abiding by the local health restrictions in wherever they are. And so they are getting together and they're meeting and they're not wearing masks and they maybe they're not distancing and they're not following any of the rules because they're saying the most important thing is that we go and worship. And just like if you have a, an extended family, you probably have that uncle or that cousin three times removed who is kind of like yeah I'm not really sure about them they're still in your family and somehow you still have to love them it can be really hard for us as Christians to love others if they have a different opinion and uh, but I kind of think you know what I'm not doing that stuff we're not doing that stuff at St. George's. The, the church is, is closed for in-person worship. We're online. Uh, we have um, all sorts of protocols and procedures in place, and they're pinned to the wall, and you can read them on the website, and, and we're really making sure we're following all the rules. But I kind of think, you know what? I'm kind of glad there are some people pushing the boundaries on the edge. I'm not doing it. But I'm kind of glad there's some people that are because they make me go, well, maybe they have a point. Maybe they have a point. Because we can very easily say, well, let's not come together in worship because of all these reasons. And we can get scared. And maybe they have a point. As I say, not going down that track. But somehow it's taking that step back and going, how can I love people even if what they're doing seems to be the opposite of me? Because they're coming from the same place, they're reading the same Bible, and yet they're coming to a different interpretation. And so when Jesus says, love each other, he's saying it knowing, three times in the passage, knowing that it is going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard. And yet somehow we are called to be people who love each other. Elsewhere in John's gospel, Jesus says, you'll know they're my disciples by the love they have one for each other. And if you can think of, um, you know, a, a big family having a gathering down the street, not the moment in COVID, but at another time, a big family having a gathering down the street. And and you can probably think of a family, they're having a big party, uh, celebrating a birthday or, or something else, celebrating Mother's Day, having a get-together, and you can see them from afar and think, that looks like a nice family. I'd like to go to that party. I think what Jesus is saying to us here as Christians he's saying to those first disciples and says it to us, is be like that family. Be the family that people go, they can see you having so much fun. They can see you caring for each other in the good times and the bad, and they want to come and join the party. Being a Christian is being part of a huge family, a family that spans the globe of two billion people of different denominations who worship in different ways, who interpret things differently, and yet the thing that unites us, if we're Christians, is that we can say, we can confess with our lips, believe in our heart and our mind that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died for us, he died to save us. And so if we have that in common, uh, then we can love all other disciples. I'm going to pray as I finish. Um, I'm just going to acknowledge that some people find this stuff really hard because it's much easier to throw stones at other Christians uh, when they annoy you uh, than it is to act with grace and love. Um, And some people may not have thought about it, may not have realized just um, how important it is to love others. You know, and and I kind of think um, as an Anglican, in the times when I've had a conversation with, say, a Baptist pastor, you know, the best thing to do is just make a joke about the fact we have different views of infant baptism. Because until we're in that place of having a relationship that's strong enough over several cups of coffee and croissants to be able to have that conversation, uh, you're best just to stay in that place of going, you know what, we have different views on this thing. But let's work together on the things where we have the same view, that Jesus Christ is Lord. So let's pray. Loving God, we thank you that you call us as Christians uh, to be, um, first and foremost, disciple followers of you. That you call us into relationship with you. That you call us to be uh, your friends. That you set us up as friends. We don't choose for you to be our friend, but you, you give us that, that gift and that grace that we can be your friends. And so help us as we uh, step into this place day by day of being friends with you, of knowing you and of being in relationship with you. Help us, too, to be in relationship uh, with other Christians, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And in those times, Lord, when we find it hard to do that, would you give us grace? Would you bind our tongue and stop us from saying stuff that would upset and hurt Would you give us grace that we might be caring and loving? You'll know they're my disciples by the love they have one for another. Help that uh, to be evident in our church and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.